The Dental Brief is brought to you by Omni Premier Marketing and the amazing guests who bring wisdom and advice that you can put to use to take your business and practices to the next level. Find us on Facebook and join the conversation. Get ready to grow because we are kicking off the next episode in three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the, the Dental Brief. I'm so excited for today's show. We have with us uh, a doctor joining us on the program. Always love it when uh, dentists take their time to visit with us. Uh, without further ado, Dr. Michael Carroll, say hello to everyone. Hello. Hey, can't can't wait to jump into the, the meat of today's show um, and what you've got to share. But let's start how we always do. Tell us how you got involved in dentistry. How did you become a dentist? Well, I... Uh had been following a science track through my educational um, training and um, basically decided that I was going to pursue the career. I found it to be an interesting career because it combines both um, technical expertise along with uh, medical training and also a business aspect if you are, in fact, um, running your own practice. So it's sort of a combination of a bunch of things. Yeah. So... Um, I know you're a, you're a practice broker. You help people with transitions. You help buy and sell practices, which is fantastic. But let's talk a little bit. How did you get there? I know you you bought and sold a few practices yourself as a dentist, correct? Correct. What what made you decide to get involved in transitions? It was really by default. What happened is, uh, unfortunately, I was having some very significant health issues involving my back and my neck, mm. and uh, turns out that the uh, couple of fingers on my right hand began to go numb. So what happened is uh, I hired a uh, practice broker to sell my own practice, kind of in an emergency situation. And they liked what I had to say to the prospective buyer. So they went ahead and hired me. And that's kind of how I began my career. Yeah. So you're with um, US Dental Practices, it's plural, usdentalpractices.com. Uh, why don't you tell me in your travels, what are some of the struggles that you're seeing dentists have when they're either selling their practice? We can we can do these two segments, selling their practice or, or buying a, a practice. What are some of the challenges you're seeing? Well, let's start with buying a practice. One of the yeah. things that I see um, is that a lot of the young dentists that are coming out are working in environments that are somewhat unrealistic to the mainstream of the practice of dentistry. By, mm. by that, I mean... When they're in dental schools or some of these um, uh, DSO organization practices, they've got every bell and whistle known to mankind, uh, especially in the dental schools. They're basically practicing in a spaceship. Right. And then they get out, get out of school. And then they come to see someone's office, which you know, would be an average office, which is generating a good income for the dentist. And they're, they're, they're less than impressed by what they see. And thus, no practice seems to fit what they have in their mind that they're looking for. So that's something that we, we face on a regular basis. I think it's unrealistic expectations that they may have as to what is out there and how you can generate an income as far as that's concerned. Dental offices are extremely expensive to set up because of the specialized plumbing and the specialized electrical needs. Sure. Uh, as far as uh, doctors who are selling... One thing we see is that uh, most everyone makes a plan to get in. Very few make a plan to get out. On uh, my circumstance, it was medical issues that caused the crisis. But in a lot of cases, when we have conversations with doctors that want to sell, 
um, we start asking questions and we get this sort of a blank stare as to what the answer is as far as the things they may have thought of or what their plan is on a transition basis. The other aspect of it is they don't really understand that in selling you practice, it takes real time. It's not like selling a home where somebody might come in on a weekend and two days later you have a bid. The process routinely takes a minimum, I would say, of about six months on an average basis. And we've got couple of uh, transitions that have been going on for over a year mm. so it really does take some time and you need you need to have a plan and you need to plan early for what your process is going to be yeah so you know something that i've seen personally and obviously speak to this because i know you're you're you guys, you guys have a, a significant amount of brokers you guys are in uh, touch with the pulse all over the country um, i'm starting to get calls from brokers from time to time that are having trouble or dentists that have had their practice listed for quite a long time and have been trying to sell it for a long time. And we're talking a year, two years, three years, four years. And these are very lucrative practices that seem to be sitting, especially if they're not in major metropolitan areas. Are you seeing that same kind of trend too? Are you seeing it more difficult for some of these older practices to move? Yes. I think you have to be realistic about your geography, where you are located and what is happening in the surrounding area. Uh, for example, if we're trying to sell a practice in Manhattan, New York, we as soon as the practice is listed, we'll probably have three or four contacts that will come about. If you're trying to sell your practice in, let's say, Burlington, Vermont, could take a year, more than a year. Uh, I have worked in the western part of Massachusetts. It took over four years to sell somebody's practice. So that is absolutely the case. Now, one of the things that we also say is, and this is part of the planning aspect, you have to be prepared to deliver your office. If you've been working in a practice in in your location for 40 years and you've never changed the carpeting and you've never repainted the office and you've never put in any new technology, it's very difficult to market that practice and to sell it. Sure. So again, pre-planning is very important so that you can prepare to deliver, as they say. Right. Let's talk about buyers for a couple of minutes. I see this kind of scenario where some of these practices that are not maybe in a metro area, may have a nice lease, a good team in place, but maybe it's not equipped um, the way that younger dentists may be used to that have been working in a DSO or just coming out of school, like you mentioned before. <clears throat> First of all, I know it is possible to equip these practices, right? A new technology might also mean in- significant increased revenues for a practice right away offering uh, treatments that maybe they were not offering before. Um, but what do you say to that that younger buyer who's like, no, 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 I want the well-equipped practice. Does it make sense to try to equip that practice or just keep on moving till you find one or do you do a startup? Well, much as for the seller, I think the buyer has to have a life plan as to what you think you're going to do. Do you think you're going to get married? Do you think you're going to have a family? Do you think you eventually may be located in a more suburban area as opposed to a citified area? For example, we've had some wonderful practices in this region within the outskirts of New York City in Fairfield County and Westchester County and and surrounding areas where somebody who is still a young person could easily get on a train from an area in Westchester County and go down to New York City and have some fun with the thought process that eventually they might be looking to 
set up their family within one of these more suburban areas. Sure. So, so the reverse can certainly happen. Now, with the uh, situations in New York City with the pandemic and also some of the disquieting uh, crime and some of the things, we have gotten more demand for those surrounding areas where people want to have an egress from New York City. Sure. So I think what's important is to be able to understand that you can generate a good income and have a good level of profitability in the practice that you may be looking at. That is a message that is hard to sell <clears throat> because even to this day, dental schools don't do a great job in training dentists on the business aspects right. of dentistry. So sure. it is a bit of a sell. Yeah. So let's talk about this real quick. Let's talk about the the major mistakes. Let's talk about three major mistakes that buyers and sellers make um, on their side that you see that are common, that you know, that maybe they call you after the fact. Um, that they made this mistake or got themselves in trouble. So what are three major mistakes that buyers make uh, when looking to buy a practice or buying a practice? Well, one mistake that I think buyers make is they misalign their priorities in life. Mm -hmm. You've graduated from dental school, so now you've got the dental degree, but you're not generating significant income. So buying that Porsche that you've always wanted and, and having that McMansion, perhaps, and immediately going and moving ahead to start a family, when you haven't stabilized your income stream, that's a major mistake. Sure. Second, second one is, I think, what we just discussed, dismissing successful practices that can be profitable in areas that aren't exactly specific to where you might want to be and having a, a lack of flexibility on that. And the third aspect is, uh, again, um, looking at not what the future of the practice could be, but looking at it as is now in terms of the circumstances, not seeing that you could modify the practice to put in different features, more technology, upgrading the appearance and all of that. So those three things, I think, are major. Yep, From the for buyers, sellers, what, yeah, sellers, what do you think they, they sellers, are for them? Yeah. The sellers, number one, failure to plan, failure mm -hmm. to have an exit strategy as to what you are going to do. That's that is perhaps the largest mistake that they make. Second mistake is they try to sell these things by themselves. And in essence, what happens is they generally get less for their sale than if I was working with them. Uh, second thing is. Oftentimes, because they have an emotional attachment to their practice, mm -hmm. they will say things to a prospective buyer that that they think are great and actually turn out not to be so great. I'll give you one case in point. You might have a doctor who's selling practice and say something like, well, you know, I'm such a great dentist that during the summer, patients come up from Florida to see me and I treat them. Well, the prospective buyer thinks to themselves, those patients are probably not going to come to see me from Florida. Right. So immediately right. upon upon selling the practice, we're going to lose the percentage, perhaps, of those patients. So that's sure. a, that's a, a, a second thing. And the third thing that I think is the um, lack of upgrading, significantly putting money back into your practice, either via technology or even simple improvements, putting new wallpaper, changing the carpeting upgrading some of the appearance of your waiting room, 
signage that might be old and tattered. So those three things, I think, are major issues. Yeah. Yeah. And it's curb appeal. Right. I mean, but it goes a long way, right? especially in a slower market. Right. Interest rates are a little bit higher. There seems to be a little bit less demand than maybe there was a few years back in some areas. Obviously, all markets are different. So, uh, Dr. Carroll, uh, for people that want to get in touch with you, what's the best way um, for I, actually, you know what? Let me ask you this question real quick. Sure. Add a few minutes on here. I mean, there's a lot of tra- there's a lot of brokers out there. There's a lot of people doing transitions. Um, I think there's a lot of very talented uh, people in that uh, space with a lot of integrity. Um, with all that being said, if you're looking to buy or sell a practice, how do you vet someone to make sure they're the right fit for you? Um, I think there's a lot of dog and pony shows that happen too, right? Um, where uh, maybe kind of even some smoke and mirrors that people don't always follow through on and, and deliver on. So I think finding the right broker is, is really important. How do you do that? Well, I can tell you why we offer certain advantages. Um, Our tagline is custom managed transitions for dentists by dentists. So our team, and it's not just me, uh, has mostly retired dentists or even actively practicing dentists as part of the team. So when you hire U.S. dental practices, you will not just get me, you get the benefit of all of our team members, and we work cooperatively, not competitively. So that's a big advantage. Second thing is, obviously, we have a high level of integrity. Uh, We have a high level of experience. We say to doctors unabashedly, we have been where you are trying to go. It's not like I'm an MBA who comes into the office, who really is just looking at numbers or whatever. I, we will never sell and I will never engage in, a, in selling a practice if I haven't physically seen it. I've got to go there, meet with the doctors, see what the layout is, see what the setup is. Um, that's really important to us. The other thing is that uh, we rely on relationships. So there are times when we might see a, uh, a meet with a, a doctor, see their practice. They decide, well, right now I'm not really ready to sell but um, let's do an evaluation of the practice. And then there will be a time that I'll move forward to sell. And we do that. We'll do an evaluation. We do charge a $1,500 fee for that, but we will honor that evaluation with no additional charges for a five-year period. So somebody could come back to us three years later, we will upgrade their numbers at no additional charge, and we'll get their practice ready for market sale. Sure. And perhaps lastly is we don't charge the buyers any fees. Right. Buyers who come in are struggling to gain financing. We don't feel that it's fair if we're representing a seller in a transition. That's the person who's going to get the windfall. And the person who's buying it really doesn't have a lot of extra dough to be paying us. So everything we do is upfront. We're not disingenuous about that. We have a very competitive commission that we charge. And we work from beginning to end. We just don't start this process and then kind of leave the seller and adrift. And even though we're not collecting money from the buyer, we realize it's a tango and we have to work with both sides in order to make this successful transition. Sure. That's great. Dr. Carroll, thanks so much for being here. Come back to you here in just one quick sec. Say goodbye. Um, website again is usdentalpractices.com. That's plural. You can find Dr. Carroll's uh, information on there and reach out to him or or his uh, teammates. Dr. Carroll, thanks so much for coming on today. We appreciate it. Patrick, just one quick thing, if I may. 
course. Um, I do have my, I do have a personal website. You can take a look at some information from me. It's michaelcarolldds.com. Yep, and that's Carol is K-A-R-O-L. R-O-L, yes. Yep, michaelcarolldds.com. Check it out. Dr. Carol, thanks again. Thank you, Patrick.